Welcome back to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast, where we're telling the amazing, untold, wacky, weird, and inspiring stories of type 1 diabetics from across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and I wanted to let you know that we now have over 500 years of living with T1D on the podcast, and we're on track to be over 1,000 by the end of the summer, which is pretty exciting. I also wanted to chat about my new email series, Friday T1D Feels, where I send you a personal note, no fancy graphics or anything like that, about what I've been thinking about in the world of type 1 diabetes during that week. If you're into that, just go to diabeticsdoingthings.com and sign up. I'd also like to take a minute to talk about hashtag coverage to control. JDRF is raising awareness around the fact that most of us don't get to pick the insulin pumps we have, just the ones our insurance will cover. Just imagine if your cell phone was like that. Except this isn't a phone, it's what keeps us alive. So let your voice be heard and tell your insurance company that T1Ds and their doctors should decide what kind of pumps they use, not the companies. I'm looking at you, Aetna, United Healthcare, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Let's get this right. Okay, enough chatter. Let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world. Uh, and I'm very excited for my interview today uh, because I think most of you will be familiar uh, with, with my guest. My guest is Phil Graham, who is the author of Diabetic Muscle and Fitness Guide, uh, is a type 1 diabetic nutritionist and, uh, and fitness coach from Belfast uh, of, over in the UK. Rob, how are you? Thank you very much for having me on. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure, Phil. Thank you so much for making the time. It's great. It's come coming the whole way from Ireland. And you said you're in Texas there. And it's amazing how technology can make you connect so quick. And I'm absolutely delighted to be on and share all my experiences and some uh, truly valuable lessons with all you guys listening as to my experiences with being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 16 and progressing within the fitness industry and having a career in bodybuilding and all sorts of things so whatever you want to ask me rob feel free yeah i'm really excited and i think you really hit the nail on the head i'm, I'm so glad that we have this uh you know social media and you know internet community that we can reach out and uh you know talk to people who are going through what you know we're going through all across the world so um really excited to to hear your story so I guess let's sort of start at the beginning. Uh, you mentioned you were 16 uh, when you were diagnosed. Yeah. Uh, kind of yeah. give we'll, us we'll and paint the, the picture. Yeah, we'll go the whole way back. I mean, whenever I was first diagnosed with diabetes and I looked at my health back then, I wasn't anywhere near what I was today. I wasn't caring what I was eating. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't looking after my stress management. I wasn't going to bed at a particular time and getting my seven to eight hours sleep. I wasn't prioritizing my water. I wasn't supplementing. There was a whole host of behaviors that I had that really were the reasons for bad health at that time. And I was overweight and I would most definitely say that the conditions that I was living with weren't favorable in any way, shape or form uh, for the diabetes upon diagnosis. So I can remember going to school one day and I can remember my eyesight appeared a little off. It was a little blurry and I went on a few weeks with this and noticed that it progressively got worse. And during that time, I also noticed I was going to the toilet a lot. And these are obviously common uh, symptoms of diabetes. And at first, I said to my mom about it. And we said, look, it's maybe just a cold, a virus. We put it off. 
And it continued to go on and on. And long story short, I went to the doctor and I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Now, automatically, I can I can automatically resonate with the emotion that I had when I was first diagnosed. I can remember the smell of the room. I can remember the pictures on the wall of amputated feet and neuropathy and all these complications. And safe to say I was scared. And I said to myself, in that specific diabetes education unit, this was not going to happen to me. So I made a marked choice when I was 16 years of age to basically commit myself and focus my mindset on everything that I possibly could to control my diabetes. Now, whenever I was speaking with the nurse, the um, diabetes education team, there was one woman in particular who kept saying a number of words that were very reassuring. She kept saying words like might, may, could, uh, possibly. And with this, I picked up that it, nothing was definite. And those words were all based around control. If you were able to control, you will be able to delay. You might be susceptible to this condition or this complication if you go through with this X, Y, and Z. So I automatically resonated with that and knew there was some kind of, well, not solution, but uh, basically prevention, you know, behaviors, whether it be diet, lifestyle, exercise, all of these things I was educated about uh, upon that first diagnosis. These were the activities that I had to prioritize in my life in order to safeguard myself against all the complications of obesity and type 1 diabetes. So after that, I basically committed my life to learning everything I possibly could about the human body. Um, from an exercise perspective, nutrition perspective. So I placed a very high value on learning and education about the body and diabetes. And so, that led me to go and study in university and go on from there. So it really, you know, in more ways than one, you know, sort of changed the way you looked at your whole life from that point on. Automatically, yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, those words that were used that I highlighted may and could and possibly, you know, Whenever I was asking, is this going to happen to me? Is that going to happen to me? There was no definite yes. There was no definite no. And I am a firm believer, I don't care what anyone says, that if you can obsess over your blood glucose control and you know what you're doing, you understand what your body is doing at particular times with food, stress, and exercise, and you can maintain as close to perfect diabetes control, you can prevent and eradicate the complications of diabetes if you're going to replicate normal physiology the best you can. Now, obviously, you have to take into account that there are going to be highs, there are going to be lows, and it's very important that you register in your mind that you want to keep those to an absolute you know, minimum. And I think the whole mindset aspect around diabetes is, is incredibly important. And, you know, I look at it now upon reflection and I see that, you know, it was adversity in disguise as a blessing. I mean, I wouldn't be prioritizing my health. I wouldn't be prioritizing exercise, nutrition, mindful living, stress uh, at this particular stage in my life if I hadn't been diagnosed with diabetes. And safe to say many of us with type 1 diabetes would be in the same boat. And, you know, it's not often until the health complication hits or, as people say, the shit hits the fan that we then decide to change our ways. And, you know, that happened at a very early age. I was already overweight. I was already inactive. And, you know, 
that was going to take a period of a year, two years to undo and, you know, build in the necessary habits of diet, nutrition. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. So my mindset never really looks at diabetes in a negative light. I mean, sometimes when I take the odd hypo or I go a high or something like that, I get, you know, a little bit frustrated, but I automatically respond and correct it. I know I've got a choice. And there's an awful lot of people that are listening that will know when they're going high, they'll know when they're going low and they'll postpone it, they'll delay it. But it's those moments that accumulate over time that lead to complications. And like I said, if you know you place a high value on learning and you understand the effects of diabetes and you look around you and you can see it, then you'll know to respond much quicker to those. So back to where I was, I mean, I, I went on to study nutrition, clinical nutrition and physiology in university. I spent six years there. I then went to work in the healthcare service. And during that time, I took up exercise and the first exercise that I took up was just going to the gym and I was overweight at the time and was very intimidated going to this hardcore weightlifting club and I sort of stayed at the back of the gym and went on the recumbent bike for like a two-hour session when I really knew that I should be up in the weightlifting area but it was just too intimidating at the time and over time as I began to lose weight I picked up a little bit of confidence and then I went to the first weight machine the bicep curl machine that I progressed down and down even further and eventually got the dumbbell rack and just started lifting and I fell in love with it. I was able to see changes in my shape and I was starting to look after my blood glucose levels very, very well and understanding how food played a role. And exercise was a big challenge at the start. I was taking hypos all the time. I was coming out of the weight rooms high. I didn't understand why this was happening. I was getting really frustrated. Why when I went into the weight training room would my blood glucose levels come out high when I hadn't eaten any carbohydrates? This disease sucks. What's going on? And then as I began to learn more and more and more about hormones and physiology, I then began to understand how to anticipate and how to plan. And I can't stress that enough, guys, that data collection, and back then we didn't have CGMs. I mean, I'm, I'm 29 now, but you know, CGMs weren't really available back then. So everything was noted down with pen and paper. And at that time, I was bodybuilding. I fell in love with the weights as I said and I was noting everything down the amount of food that I was eating my blood glucose before and 45 minutes after and two hours after and I was eating the same stuff pretty much every week and I was able to anticipate and pick up trends in blood glucose behavior based on what my blood glucose level was sitting up in relation to a proportion of carbohydrates in relation to how stress would affect me in relation to how long a leg session would affect me rather than an upper body session I, I picked up so much data that I was able to link that in with the knowledge that I was picking up from textbooks and lectures and, and basically craft my own um, program design and, for and, managing my diabetes. And I think that's super important. And I want to go, uh, before we kind of touch on your program specifically, I want to I get back into that like beginner's mindset. Because I think a lot of people, especially with type 1, um, you know, when they make that decision, like you made and say, Hey, I'm going to put a more emphasis on my health or my fitness. Um, and maybe they don't have a background in that, or maybe they don't know where to start. And like you said, you went into the gym, uh, in this hardcore gym and just rode the bike for a little while. And then you sort of went and gradually moved over into the weight room. Uh, talk about, you know, that, that process for someone who might be frustrated with those highs and those lows, uh, those high yeah. and, and high blood sugars when they're coming out of the gym and, you know, what they should continue to do to keep pressing through that to get to where they want to be. Yeah. Well, I think first of all, it comes down to mindset and recognizing that the more, you know, the better you will be able to 
anticipate and behave and have a higher quality level of living. And it's very important that you identify why would it benefit me to learn about the human body? Why would it benefit me to learn about diabetes, blood glucose management? If you're not investing time in understanding how blood glucose behaves with, in relation to food, in relation to exercise, day-to-day living, then you're not going to know how to control your condition. And it's going to be like a yo-yo or domino effect every single day. And again, you guys have a marked choice to be able to sit down and there's loads of great information available out there on the internet. You guys have got healthcare professionals that you can ask questions to. Um, you guys in the States have more private healthcare than we do. Um, again, you can ask questions, learn how to understand things, and realize that if you know more and you improve your diabetes management, that everything else in your life will improve. And we all know what it's like to wake up high in the morning. The, the, the whole morning is pretty much shattered in terms of productivity for me if I wake up outside of range. It takes me a lot to get out of bed. And that, you know, is even in the case if I have my day well planned. So it's absolutely paramount that I wake up with a perfect range of blood glucose. On the other hand, if you're going to go low and you're trying to perform well in your job, you're trying to think, you're trying to be creative, you're trying to be physically active, good luck with that. So you have to realize that in order for you to understand why things are happening, you need to know what's going on within the body and you need to place a high value on learning. You need to place a high value on assessment and also accept that during this period that you're learning that there will be mistakes. You will go high, you will go low, but it's okay. You have to realize that you've got a matter of seconds to respond to that or ignore it and put it off. So I always, I mean, one of the the great things about learning how to bodybuild at the time was I was obsessed with with gaining muscle and strength and increasing physical performance. And I knew that the very second my blood glucose went outside of range that I was burning muscle tissue. So this went against the value of being a great bodybuilder in my local area, my local country. And I became obsessed with keeping it tightly within range. And if you look at the physiology of diabetes, as in how it works, Whenever blood glucose levels go high, muscle mass is burnt up as fuel. So it's a very catabolic disease when it's not looked after. So these were all, you know, mechanisms that I I worked off. And I think you guys really need to prioritize what you know about diabetes. Look into it. Ask questions. Join the forums and make sure you're getting credible advice from information that's evidence-based. You know, there's lots of information out there that, again can prove very confusing and especially when it comes to exercise that can be a very uh, problematic area because there's a lot of people talking about it that one don't exercise or two aren't diabetic and there's a lot of things that need to be tied in there and there's so much information and evidence base missing in type 1 diabetes and exercise if you actually look at the body of scientific evidence on anything revolving around strength training or anything like that it's extremely limited it's limited in terms of not just exercise but nutrition as well and the context of information evidence-based information is also very limited i mean there's very little studies done in exercising individuals with type 1 diabetes and we all know that there are certain uh, preachers of low-carb dieting with diabetes whereas on the other hand what about the individual that strength trains five to six times a week that wants to try and gain weight 
What about the individual that wants to have a high level of athletic performance? Again, these are all things that need to be considered. And it's, it's, it's sad to see so many people turn a blind eye to, you know, the fact that people with diabetes can eat carbohydrates very safely and very well, and it can help complement life. Um, you know, I've been on some message forums and seen the sheer ignorance of some people that advocate only one way of eating and they don't take into account somebody else's values or goals with what they want to do with their body. Well, and, and, and start- I think I think it's really important too. like uh, there's so many zero sum games. And, and what I mean by that is like there's so many uh, statements about chronic illness that are this is the only way that it can be done. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and I think to to your point, um, you know, trying to a, a avoid those as much as possible and recognize and note that those are you know maybe just one experience, but for you, you know, as you were you know you went into the gym for the first time, you you get diagnosed with diabetes, you go into the gym for the first time, you're studying on the health and medical side. Um, at what point, uh, you know, a how long did it take you to get from you know your starting point to where you were uh, competitive as a bodybuilder? Uh, and, and sort of, you know, reaching your goals there from a strength uh, and fitness perspective. But also, as you're learning, uh, when did you realize that uh, you had a unique opportunity to sort of be that person who was A, a type 1 diabetic, B, a, you know, a, a bodybuilder, um, and C, a, uh, you know, a medical professional and in, in, in the industry. So, you know, a very, like, a perfect storm, really, for this type of uh, person. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the, the thing is, I, I wanted a particular goal in my life badly enough to be willing to dedicate the time to sit down and learn, experiment, take action, plan, uh, evaluate. And, you know, I, I linked my diabetic control to everything else in my life. I knew that I wasn't going to be performing my A game if I wasn't looking after my sugars. But, you know, for those that are listening that maybe don't have a, a medical background or any understanding like that, guys, you can still open up a book. You can still invest one hour, two hours, three hours a week to learning about the condition that you have and how to control it. You learn how to contr- you learn how to drive your car. Your, tr- your car will kill you, but, you know, you take time to go on a specific course and, and learn about it. And, you know, I'd like to say nowadays I'm still learning about my condition. I learn something new about my condition every single day. I learn how a different scenario or a different situation. I learn how different people affect my blood glucose levels, um, you know, with stress and a whole host of different variables, how weather affects my blood glucose levels. There's so many factors there and the human body is very complex. And, you know, I do appreciate that not everyone is going to be fascinated or have the same level of value as that. But, you know, if you can do your utmost and absolute best to control blood glucose levels, you are going to safeguard yourself against a lot of issues because you have to think of it like this. When one issue happens, how is that going to affect your mindset and your life? When the other aspects in your life then start to affect you backwards, then that can lead to more neglect, more lack of control, and it all spirals. So, you know, you've got to consider that, that you want to do your utmost to prevent it. And each and every one of you guys has a choice. And I mean, whenever I was first diagnosed, I can remember working with my healthcare professional and they left me to it because they could see that my blood work was perfect. They could see how committed I was to learning and reading. And, you know, when I was working with some of the dietitians in the healthcare service, I mean, you know, no disrespect to them, but they weren't clued up on the most up-to-date research. They weren't considering the context. It was, you know, bringing 
you know, protein supplements in and saying, is this okay? And then them automatically saying, no, that's going to be bad for your kidneys. And, you know, now being much further on with my knowledge and level of personal development, you know, there's actually very little research, if any, to suggest that. And, you know, protein is an essential nutrient. Protein is a, a satiating macronutrient that fills you up is, is one of the greatest assets you can have in a, a fat loss regime that's going to help prevent the effects of obesity, which combi- compound diabetes. Um, uh, it's also needed in increased quantities whenever you strength train. So, you know, it, it's it's very important that you consider the context of your goal. And each and every one of you guys that are listening to this podcast We'll, we'll all share a similar goal. I mean, you want to get the most out of life. You want to look great naked. You want to be able to be fit and healthy, pick up your kids, run around. And that's going to be the result of careful eating, mindful living, and physical activity. And in order to facilitate that, your blood glucose levels need to be in range. And uh, I stress and urge each and every one of you guys to invest at least two hours a week into reading something, learning something. And, you know, in respect to the book, the, the diabetes book. I never planned to write that book, Rob. Um, what actually happened in that case was with my whole bodybuilding I, and, and working in the mainstream fitness industry after I left the health service, um, I kept my diabetes very quiet. I didn't talk about it. I didn't want to bring it up as an excuse, but a few people knew that I was diabetic. I maybe mentioned it the odd time here and there and word got about. There wasn't really big social media back then and I remember one year speaking at a health and fitness conference and I came off the stage and there was a queue of people with diabetes wanting to speak to me and I was sort of blown away by this and each and every one of them said that they were overwhelmed by how much knowledge I had about the subject and how I was able to relate to their emotions and how I was able to relate to the scenarios when blood glucose levels weren't behaving and each and every one of them had suggested about, you know, doing something with that information and knowledge and you know I, I sort of thought oh there's going to be a lot of red tape around this it's going to take too long I don't have the time with my um, mainstream fitness work and everything and my personal training business and everything and you know I then just decided to put pen to paper and start writing and it took me a year to put it together and I, I mean I wrote that book from the perspective of an individual that wanted to improve the look of their body but just couldn't find the information online couldn't find the information from a doctor who was just giving them generic wishy-washy stuff and i mean i went deep into the science i went deep into the literature i went deep into personal experience with myself and working with thousands of other people um you know and and when you work with lots and lots of people and i i mentor a lot of personal trainers now and coaches and you get to pick up patterns of behavior with different demographics different populations different cultures different the way people that they eat the way they sleep um, the, the level of physical activity, jobs. I mean, there's a whole goal of factors here that are all encompassed into understanding how obesity happens, how type 2, type 1, a whole host of things occur. And, you know, it's a matter of identifying the main processes involved in promoting health, which are nutritional intake, i.e. energy balance, controlling your calories, your intake of essential nutrients, omega-3 and protein, fiber as well for your gut health stress management sleep rest and recovery physical activity energy expenditure and optimal diabetes management i.e keeping your blood glucose levels in range and then again you have to account for things like genetics you have to account for other underlying medical conditions again you know if you can respect those principles then you know the sky's the limit with what you can achieve in your life and 
and I think that's you know such an important piece of it, right? Like uh, when once you account that all those variables are a part of it, it's not necessarily a you know one plus one equals two um, you know equation. It's it's very complex. There's a lot of different factors to keep in mind, um, and also just recognizing that everyone is different. Um, I want to talk a little bit about you specifically. Uh, you mentioned early in your career you weren't, weren't very public about your type one. Um, and I want to know just, you know, based on, you know, from where you were then to where you are now, you know, after you, you know, write, write the book, Diabetic Muscle Fitness, uh, you know, what, how has your life changed as a, as a type one? Um, you know, how have, uh, yeah, how those I mean, conversations you know, gotten different? Yeah. I mean, whenever I decided to write the book, I had no, intention of creating uh, a membership site or a community or anything like that and you know after I published the book the sheer volume of people that were contacting me and you know like I, I couldn't believe some of the the emails some of the messages that I was was being sent and uh that just opened up a new level of consciousness for me, really, to be honest. And, you know, it's something that I've been sitting on the whole time and I wasn't giving back to those people the whole, you know, from when I was 16 to, you know, I'm 29 now. I wrote the book, what, last year. So that's a big, big gap in my life that I haven't been helping people with diabetes when I could. So that's only really opened up to me now and you know i want to tremendously add to that and i get a kick out of all the you know messages that i get every day when somebody said that's that's been the problem that i've been wondering about you know for for 10 years i've been training like this for my whole life and now i've changed and i've automatically seen an improvement that i never saw before and you know like it's, some of the stuff that i'm hearing is, is great and you know, I haven't approached the book. You, know, you talked earlier on about people saying this is the one way to do this. This is the one way to do that. I mean, I'm very balanced in my viewpoint. It's all about context and, you know, given the consideration of different goals, there's different ways to skin a cat. And, you know, I've accounted for that and used evidence to support everything that I say. So, you know, there's nothing in it that's overly flamboyant. It's just straight up evidence-based information that's in the context of what people need in, in relation to their specific goals and you know i enjoyed writing it it was uh, a challenge to write it most definitely was um, i think i wrote that much that like i've fatigued my writing <laughs> brain for uh quite some time i'm only recovering now um because i i i write a lot of the mainstream uh fitness media and stuff and uh, yeah writing a, a book of 400 plus pages is um yeah it takes it out of you but never mind this year i the stuff that i cut out from the book as well um and then you know now i've been building the membership site in the background and it's going to contain basically it's, it's highly specific to individuals that want to build muscle and improve their fitness it's it's not um a wishy-washy guide to fitness it's it's full-on it's everything that you know the competitive athlete right through to the guy or girl that simply wants to look better in the beach or in the bedroom or in competition they, they want to look you know it's real serious good quality fitness info and the industry even in the mainstream industry it's that saturated with absolute jargon and commercial bullshit that's just wrapped up to you know 
settle people's insecurities and stuff like that, you know, when the reality is all the stuff boils around the same principles of energy balance, rest, you know, progressively increasing your training stimulus, all these things. And, you know, some of these things may not mean a lot to you guys, but, you know, if you were to sit and take five to ten minutes just to summarize what they learned, you'd be able to click in and understand, you know, watch what you eat in terms of the source, the quantity, quantity of calories, the source of where you get your food from. And, you know, there's no such thing as a bad food, guys. Anybody that tells you that there's bad foods is is delusional. It boils down to dose and frequency. You know, one slice of pizza versus 20 slices of pizza, one beer versus a beer every single day is context and everything. Um, and, you know, like restrictive eating, again, eradicating every carbohydrate from your diet to end up months down the line with an eating disorder or you know, craving carbohydrates and then eating them and then feeling ultra guilty and then binging out and then driving your blood glucose levels mad or, you know, going on holiday and not being able to sample food that you want to have. Food's there to nourish you, mind, body and soul. And if you're going to, you know, eliminate it from your life, then be prepared to, you know, face the consequences. And it's all down to balance. It's balancing physical activity with the food that you put in. Um, I would never say to anyone to eradicate a food unless they're allergic to it or highly intolerant to it. And if they were to include it as part of their overall calorie goal and energy balance, and they have a, a level of physical activity that can help burn that off, uh, you know, as you say, like, how do you think, how do you feel eating, you know, Thanksgiving, it's Thanksgiving for you guys, isn't that correct? Like, right. How do you feel, how, how, do you, how do you feel that, you know, your Thanksgiving dinner when you sit down with your family and you get to enjoy a, a wide selection of food. You get to taste it, you get to smell it, you get to savor it, uh, you get to share it. You know, all of those things are people don't understand. That's all part of digestion, that's all part of living. And, you know, if you're going to sit at the table and just have your turkey and your sprouts, you know, good luck. And um, see how that satisfies your mind, body, and soul. And people need to realize that they can accommodate things like that as long as they respect their diabetes management, they respect their physical activity, they respect their stress, they respect the fact that they maybe need to strength train two or three times a week. There's so many benefits to having a lifestyle that encompasses all those principles and rules. And I'm massive into principles and rules rather than a plan. Principles and rules and that are specific to an end process, i.e. health, promotion, quality life. Um, you know, you can do so much more rather than following a fixed plan that's going to be subject to the dynamics of life. And and so, I want to I want to focus on that for a second because I'm a big principles guy as well. So uh, for for someone with type one, uh, you know, the the bulk of people who listen to this podcast, uh, what what are the principles that they should keep in mind for you know to you know have that balance of you know healthy lifestyle, um, you know, fitness, food, all the, all those different relationships yeah. in, in the body. Well, if we if we were to summarize them up. You know, in the in the context of an individual that wanted to look great, feel great, and be healthy, the first thing that we would need to consider is obviously, um, again, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put these in no particular order. Actually, um, the first thing would be one your environment. I mean, I'm not just into all the nutrition and training practices. We also have to complement that with environment and mindset. So the environment, who you spend your time with. Um, what you spend the bulk of your time doing is it complementing your life or taking away from it. Secondly, as well, your, your energy intake, the amount of calories that you take in, the food source, the quantity, like I mentioned. You know, food is information to your body, both in terms of the quantity and the quality of it. If you take in too much food, 
it is going to increase your potential to be obese, increase your potential for unwanted fat gain. And that basically interferes with the chemistry of your whole entire body. Your body was not designed to carry a, a, an alarming amount of excess body fat. That just basically compounds the problem of diabetes. You have to look at the source of food. And in the body, we have essential and non-essential nutrients. So protein and omega-3s are essential. So ensuring that you get enough oily fish in, ensuring that you get enough protein in. We've got to look at physical activity, ensuring that you're putting your body through a range of different motions on a day-to-day basis. And those motions are squat, push, pull, hip hinge, weighted carry. They're all the movements that you'll conduct on a day-to-day basis. You pull stuff out of the cupboard, you push stuff back in, you squat down to pick your kid up. You know, you press overhead, you pull yourself into the car. You know, all these things are um, movements that you do on a day-to-day basis. And strength training has so many benefits. First of all, it increases muscle size. It increases glucose disposal. A bigger muscle. Muscle is the biggest storage tank for glucose. And in type 2 diabetes, the research around strength training and diabetes is very strong. Basically, in a nutshell, when you strength train, you improve a muscle's ability to hoover up glucose from the blood independent of insulin. So it actually helps lower blood glucose levels. And it also increases metabolic rate. So it helps keep you leaner and allows you to eat more food. It also increases your bone density. It increases hormones like testosterone and a whole host of things. Never mind, makes you look more aesthetically pleasing and increases your functional strength. Sleep. Sleep is essential. And again, if you're a pretty controlled diabetic, you will need more sleep because your cells will be under more stress. Other things as well, um, again, stress management. We all know how stress affects our blood glucose levels. And, you know, stress can drive you into a hyperglycemic state. If you're going to go hyperglycemic, then you're just inviting all the complications of diabetes. So learning to get distance from a situation, get perspective and find the love and the chaos is very important. Um, on top of that, supplementation. People with diabetes may need to supplement a little bit more because their body's under a little bit more stress. And again, looking at key things like fish oil, and magnesium, a good quality multivitamin, a good quality antioxidants or greens powder. All those things are very important. Uh, electrolytes as well for individuals that are high all the time, maybe need to replenish lost electrolytes. Um, you know, those are some of the things. So if I was to summarize that into principles, it would be strength training at least three to four times a week. Um, depending if you're overweight, underweight, or just right. You know, if you're overweight, you need to consume a calorie deficit. If you're underweight, you need to consume a calorie surplus, but not too much that it causes unwanted fat gain. If you're happy enough with your weight, keep maintaining on those calories. Physical activity, get at least six to 7,000 steps in a day. Use a pedometer to count that. Create habits, build it in. Get six, get seven to eight hours sleep a night. Uh, meditate, journal, reflect upon your day. What went well? What went bad? What about your diabetes? What could be? What could have been improved? There's so much stuff in there to consider. Um, what no, else? Uh, that's that's All that's that that's a great start. I think uh, you know, and awesome, awesome principles. I think specifically me this year, something that's really improved my overall health and just balance has been. Uh, what you talked about, the meditation and reflection, uh, just, you know, taking some time out of the day to breathe and realize that, you know, that's a huge mm. part of stress management and, uh, you know, just really. And it's very, it can be very hard to do that when you're not used to doing it and you may think that is time wasting, but when you can stop and sit still for a moment and just maybe make a decision or maybe get perspective on a circumstance, uh, it pays massive dividends. 
and and I think you know, given given that uh, just the thought of that, as as you were talking, I was thinking of you know, wow, these are great principles, and I know that you have uh, a number of uh, type one diabetic clients, and I talked about the membership site. Um, what are some of those you know stories when you think of you know you know really successful stories, or some of your favorite that you um, you know have been able to impact people's lives? Uh, you know, from your from the book uh, or from the community or just, you know, from being, uh, you know, mentoring or training? Uh, what are those things that come to mind? Well, I mean, there's been a number of, of individuals that have gone from, you know, just having a dream and vision of wanting to be their best. And I've taken some individuals with type 1 diabetes that have ended up on the front of magazine covers that have gone on to win awards in their specific competitions. That's from the athletic side right through to, other individuals that have lost a hundred pounds plus of weight, um, you know, that have been able to improve the quality of their life, how they play with their kids, their confidence when they go to the swimming pool, their confidence when they go to the beach, the ability to buy a fresh new wardrobe of clothes, all because they have been empowered with the right information and they've been able to see the results. And it's all about the results. Like I said, you know, results speak volumes, improvement in biomarkers your your blood panel improvement in your mind your mood your focus your energy your strength your physical appearance and you know a big thing i work with a lot of entrepreneurs and very successful businessmen and i coach them a lot with fitness and their eating and automatically whenever we improve their physical appearance whenever we improve their fitness their ability to walk up and down a flight of stairs without being out of breath their business dramatically improves because they think clearer. They walk into a room with confidence and a high level of personal standards. And I think that's another uh, principle of mine. You know, if you're not respecting your body in the sense of you're not making an effort to control what goes in your mouth and how you expend your energy and how you manage your stress, you have a very low level of self-respect. And I'll stand very firm and say that because at the end of the day, if you only knew how complex and blessed you were to have a human body, um, in comparison to everything else there is in the world um you only get one shot at it and you know you need to respect that body and we all go through phases in our life where we're self-destructing we're self-sabotaging but it has to come to a point where you realize that your body is uh, your vehicle for you doing your, your service in the world and wh whatever business you're in or if you work for someone else you know your ability to put bread on the table help other people help your family grow yourself enjoy the finer things in life is all down to the body that you have and you've got to mark choice every single minute of the day every single second of the day to either think in favor of yourself or think against yourself and um you know it's it's, it's about building momentum really you know and none of you guys are going to be professional fitness models or uh you know incredibly great shaped individuals overnight that's going to take time you know it's going to take dedicated time of knowing exactly what to do and being consistent with it and you know exactly what to do by looking at previous examples multiple 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 examples that have had grade a results blood work mindset mood appearance strength performance income whatever it may be and you know proof is in the pudding and again it has to be tailored to your specific context and again the other things as well like we talked about principles there are assessment measurement if you aren't assessing your life if you aren't assessing your fitness if you aren't assessing your diet how do you know it's even working and i suppose with me i'm just obsessed with getting the most out of every single day of my life i don't want to live on an average level i don't want to perform on an average level I, I i want to be at the pinnacle of what 
I can do with my day and that is going to come with some self-honesty and reflection and most importantly action I yeah and I couldn't agree more I think like you know you are what you measure um, so yeah. if you're not measuring it um, you know how do you know you're making progress so I think you know for for especially for type ones you know we obviously are measuring our one blood sugar when we test it right there but you know looking at trends and you know if you have a cgm looking at you know uh, being able to look at that data and, and talk about that with your doctor and um and same thing with fitness you know being able to keep track and journal that's something again i was i was never uh you know at, when i was an athlete i was never very good or disciplined about writing numbers down until later in my career when i realized it was so important um, because you know you start to plateau and you don't get to see those results and those big gains sometimes so you got to yep. track those marginal gains and that incremental progress 100 percent 100 Phil I, I always ask this question um, you know to to guess in my podcast um, and, and I'm you know really excited for to, to hear your answer on it so uh, just to give you a little context because context is, is obviously super important so uh, imagine you're running through an airport and you got about 30 seconds before they shut the uh, door to your gate uh, and you know and you can't miss this flight you've got to be on it but you run into somebody with uh, who, who's either been recently diagnosed with type 1 or is really struggling with their type 1 uh, what's the one thing that you tell them in that 30 seconds <laughs> the one thing that I would tell them would be to dedicate their life to learning about their condition and obsessing over their control don't let it slip outside for one second if you do it's your fault correct it yeah and that's powerful i think um you know we talk about because with that with that there comes with that there comes well empowering themselves with the knowledge as to why blood glucose is behaving empowering themselves with what medication to take learning the fact that once it goes outside i mean when you look at diabetes you know the problems with diabetes occur when you're outside a range right so that's why it's called the complications of diabetes. So, you know, if you're going to be high for 365 days in the year, then expect to have the complications of high blood glucose. If you're going to go low all the time, then expect to have the complications of low, low blood glucose, including obesity and uh, per level of work output. So, you know, if you understand what's going on with you and you empower yourself with the skills and knowledge to make the right decisions at the right times with food, nutrition, training, lifestyle, and then you obsess over staying in perfect range, you're going to be much safer than leaving yourself out there to hit the, hit the ground running and react impulsively when glucose doesn't go in your favor. 100%. That's, that's strong. And that's, that's from uh, the Diabetic Muscle and Fitness Guide author himself right there. So, <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. Good uh, Phil, stuff. thank you so much for taking the time today to talk with us. Um, very, very, very grateful to have you on the show. And uh, Thanks for having me on, Rob. Um, so for our, for our users who maybe are not as familiar with you, um, I know they can, they can find your book available on diabeticmuscleandfitness.com. Um, that's all spelled out. Um, where else? Uh, Instagram, I believe. Yeah, they can they can get the book on diabeticmuscleandfitness.com or they can get it on Amazon. Um, there are actually two mini guides that have just been released because I was getting a lot of people asking about uh, 
that and, and training guides for uh, fat loss specific and weight gain specific. So there's diabetic mass, diabetic shred, there's 16 week training programs that have just been launched. The membership site is nearly finished and will be launched in August. It has well over a hundred hours of context on or content on all things fitness, nutrition. We've we've got clinical psychologists contributing. There's a whole host of stuff. So if you're serious about fitness and improving the appearance and strength of your body, it's definitely one to check out. You can hop onto the mailing list over at Diabetic Muscle and Fitness and stay up to date for um, the launch of that. I'm on Instagram, Diabetic Muscle, uh, Di- Diabetic Muscle Fitness on Instagram. And diabetic muscle and fitness was too long to put in. Um, also on Facebook, the Facebook page has not been launched yet. It is open and there is a group there as well, which is opening in August. We currently have around about 400 members. It's only been open the other, I'd say the other week. Since 400 members are so requesting to join. People are requesting to join all the time, but it opens in August. So if you're not accepted before August, just sit tight and it will be opened in due course. I'd love to see you in there, Rob, as well. There's going to be Lots of webinars and training stuff and recipes and just everything all around uh, people with type 1 diabetes that don't want to live alone with it and share their passion for health and fitness. And my website, I have a ton of articles on the website on all things fitness. You know, big key topics like is whey protein safe for people with diabetes, creatine safe for people with diabetes, why does blood glucose levels go up in the middle of exercise, really um, powerful questions that I get asked a lot and I've just started doing my own personal blog on that so I talk a little bit about you can tell I, I like self-reflection and personal development so I talk a lot about that on there in conjunction with my diabetes and you know guys I manage my diabetes completely differently to a lot of you I mean I, I test my blood glucose levels once a day um, at most three times a day I know how I feel you know I could, I could test it now and I would probably be within 0.2 um of where I need to be, of where I where I am, uh, and I have been doing that consistently for the last three years, um, you know, and that's only really come as a result of knowledge. I'm not in any way suggesting that any of you guys do that, but um, you know, uh, the proof is in your results. Look at your HbA1c's, look at your blood work, look at your mindset. How are you feeling with your diabetes? If you're anxious all the time, then fill that void with knowledge. Fill that void with uh, accountability. You know, there's so much stuff that you can do there. I totally agree, Phil. And uh, you know, thank you again so much for uh, for the deep insight, for the great advice. And uh, we'll include links to all of those uh, you know different communities for diabetic muscle and fitness uh, in the show notes. And uh, you know, really, really looking forward to uh, seeing what you continue to do uh, in the in the type one diabetes and uh, fitness world. Thank you very much, Rob. Thank you, and I know how much time these podcasts take out of your schedule. I have my own podcast which isn't diabetes focused unfortunately it's a a mainstream fitness podcast but i know how much time these take so thank you for uh sharing all these valuable lessons and experiences well it it is my pleasure and uh but yeah it's always great to to talk to somebody who understands because it is a labor of love for sure 100 thank you very much rob thanks for listening to diabetics doing things subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind the scenes content And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.